0: from the hills reconfigure your life change your heart and prepare you for all that god has destined you to be welcome to the hills church my husband was asking me this morning last night before we went to bed he said um are you ready for your sermon and i said no and i said no because this is a sermon that god told me in in february of last year and um what happened was i had started bible in a year that didn't go very far but (laughs) Actually, it was this someone that scattered it? Because so I was like, "Wait." And then when I got to Leviticus, where God was giving them all the instructions on how they were supposed to come into a place of repentance, when they committed sin and all of that, and I just looked at the sheer drudgery of what we had to do to come into a place of repentance and forgiveness and grace, I was on my knees. I was like, "God, thank you." Thank you for your sacrifice that in one single transaction, you just give us access. I said, where would we have started from? We would have had to have manuals. We would have had to have instruction guides. We would have had to print out these instructions everywhere we go. And still, it would not have been good enough. And so, he started to teach me a few things about the audacity of grace. And the audacity is pretty much... How dare you, how dare you forgive a person who has done this? How dare you allow this person to stand in the altar of God and speak your words to people? How dare you forgive this woman, this man? Do you know what they did? They killed someone. They shed blood. They committed adultery. They fornicated. They stole from their company. They slandered. They blasphemed. They did all kinds of things against your name. So how can you forgive a man like this without shedding any blood, because you already went to the cross and died that we might have right standing with Christ. And so Scripture says that for we do not high for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so the very life of Christ, of Jesus, was that he came up, He came to the earth to live amongst men and show us that it was possible to attain a life without sin, to show us a better way of living. But more than that, he came that he would shed his blood to replace the sacrifice of lambs and bulls and grains and doves that was insufficient to wipe away our sins and so I started to read Leviticus again I wanted to understand I know we talk about it all the time but I wanted to understand the different things that needed to happen for us to understand the magnitude of what God did and there are several types of offering there was the bond offering the bond offering was maybe you can put only that slide up matter. The bond offering you had to use head cattle or ram, goats, sheep, depending on how much money you had. So just extrapolate that into your current personal situation and circumstance. So you had to go and find an animal without blemish, without blemish. So that means you have committed sin you're first looking for animal without blemish. So while you're doing that, that sin is hanging over your head as a cloud, right? So everything that was supposed to happen for you or through you, while you are in that state of sin, and you are looking for this perfect animal, you are at a standstill. And then you now kill it and do all the rituals. And only the priests could do that on your behalf. You then had the grain offering. grain offering you had to look for the finest grain so everything about each of these sacrifices required perfection perfection the finest grain which means that if your grain was not fine it meant that the heart with which you brought it was not pure or good enough so again you are looking for the finest grain and oil then you make unleavened bread and it was a reminder of uh, Exodus in the, in the times when the Israelites were leaving Egypt. And then you had the fellowship offering again. You had to look for another animal again. This one was supposed to be like a pleasing fragrance unto God. I've been telling my son, you're a pleasing fragrance. He says, I'm a pleasing playground. <laughs> After a few tries, I say, it's okay. You're a pleasing perfume. <laughs> So you say, smell me, smell me. I say, you're a pleasing fragrance. <laughs> so we had to use the sacrifice to create a pleasing fragrance unto God. And then you now had the sin offering again. I'm thinking, ah, ah, who this one before? Is it not still the same sin? So is it measured based on the <clears throat> of your sin, the gravity of your sin? Determines which of them that you do or they are different times So you might find that there's a person who's every day of the week They are going into one type of Ritual To come into a place of holiness and still not sufficient And then there's the guilt offering again <laughs> Unintentional sins And so there's a whole lot of animal going on. animals going on there A whole lot of animals Rams and goats and sheeps And there's just blood everywhere so all of this was under the mosaic law and it was still for the same reason repentance restoration restitution coming back into the place of holiness with god right that's what all of those things were there for then there's now the day of atonement i want you people to understand the gravity of what christ did there's now the day of atonement matter can you give me the video of the day of atonement now, the Day of Atonement was when there was this special ceremony that now had to happen once a year done by the priests on behalf of the sins of the whole nation. So, just a short video to illustrate the Day of Atonement. So that means if you annoy your priest or your pastor, <laughs> you will keep all the sins for a while. There's too much drudgery in that too much too much too much too unnecessary and that those are the things that Christ saw and said this is not going to work the priest that is doing this ritual how pure and holy is he the people themselves are they really confessing all their sins we will now do all of this ritual then find out that somebody was withholding some sin because they were not able to they were too ashamed to speak about it which is what usually happens so you will find that maybe this sacrifice was never even enough it was never enough. And so, any consequences of this sin, we have continued to permeate the land and the city. I remember growing up Catholic and we would have to go for confessions on Saturday before you can receive communion on Sunday. So, what me and my siblings would do is that we would go in a little bit early. We didn't believe like 10 minutes from church. We would go in a little bit early and we'll stand a century to be checking which priest is coming out of the priest house and which priest is going to which corner of the confessional. Because there were some that were family friends, my parents. <laughs> there were some that are just priests in the church, but there were some that were family friends. They used to come to our house to come and chill. So I can't be going to that one to go and be telling him that no, we shall not be doing that. <laughs> so we will look for the least familiar of the priest. You just see all of us moving <laughs> from this side of the confessional the other side because that one does not know us that well and of course when you go there you still lie can't talk it. <laughs> I'm not the person that did this thing who grew, who grew up Catholic <laughs> I trust you. you will not talk all you talk it half and half maybe did five times you say it once or you say it was just a thought you know, not say you did it with your full chest how They'll answer you ten Hail Marys. Then our Father, go and sin no more. Two Hail Marys in, you're distracted. That's the end. <laughs> so I would imagine that these Israelites they used to confess their sin completely. They'll now so whatever the one he knew is the one I'll now give to the poor scapegoat. So that's where that word scapegoat comes from. It actually comes from the Bible because that goat used to take on the sins of the whole world. But then Jesus came and said that there's a better way. And I'm hoping that this morning, that someone here who believes that they are so far gone, they've done things that are unspeakable. They've done things that they are too ashamed to admit to themselves, let alone to somebody else. That the Lord will set you free this morning. Because He came and He went to the cross and He already paid the price for your sin. He knew before you were born that you were going to do that thing. There is nothing that takes Him by surprise absolutely nothing it is us and the people around you who are surprised by what you have done but God knew before you were born that the day will come when you will succumb to sin and to temptation but all he hopes is that in that day you have heard the word of Lord enough for you to find your way back to him but what the devil does is that when you've committed sin instead of you to come into the place of repentance what he does is he brings condemnation upon you and speaks words into your ear so you then run further away from God and the more you run away from God because you're saying "Ah, I've done bad I've done this I've offended God the more you are in a vulnerable place and the more he will attack you until the point that you are so far gone that you cannot find your way back home again so the time you ought to run to God the most is in the day when you have sinned the most. Because in your own holiness, you can't attain it. You can't step into the holies of holies. You can't. The Lord hates sin. He said to Moses, if you see my face, you will die. So in the moment when you've committed sin, when you've done something really bad, is the time when you ought to go like be chasing after God with all of your life. I always say to people that, If I ever do anything that is truly, truly bad in this life, nobody will blackmail me. I, by myself, report myself to anybody I need to report myself. Because there's nothing as scary as living in fear of discovery of the thing that you have done. But guess what? Even if nobody ever finds out, your father knew. Your father saw it. And it's really him that matters. Not me, not your family, not your friends, not the people around you so he's always standing and waiting and saying where are you i saw what you did it grieves my heart i wish you didn't do it i hate what you did you ought to know better this is absolute rubbish this annoys the hell this annoys me not the hell out of me this annoys me <laughs> but i love you enough and i'm waiting for you to come back and so jesus the blood of the covenant the blood of the covenant he came restoration redemption every single thing that was required for us to come back into right standing with Christ no cost no cost no cost no cost so if God could do that for us why then are we unable to extend the same grace to our brothers and our sisters or family or friends or work colleagues who have offended us and then we are repeating the same cycle of unforgiveness and darkness that prevails because do you know what? When you refuse to forgive someone their sins or something they've done against you, you hold them bondage. So last year from around, the reason why I then said the sermon can never be ready is because God started to teach me about the concept of grace and I got to the realization that I didn't know what he meant. I'm over 40. How do I, how do I at this age be saying that I don't really know what grace means? I know what they've said in church. I know what I I heard in my leadership training. I know what I read in the Bible. I know what I've read in books. There's a book called What's So Amazing About Grace by a guy called Philip Yancey. I think everyone should read that book if you can. It's very um, it's very what's the word? He uses real life examples to speak about the concept of grace. He speaks about, you know, women who have sold their children into sex rings. He speaks about racism in America. He speaks about a friend of his who was um, a big, big, big criticizer of what he called the modern Christianity and how um, there was moral decadence sipping into America. And he would, you know, change churches if he didn't like the things that they said. But he was also very racist because he believed in a pure race. And then he ended up being locked up because he was distributing pornography so i i read these books i've heard the sermons i've listened to this podcasts, all, all all kinds of stuff like that and i can stand and teach it from a teaching teaching point of view but not from an experiential place because i now realize that in my whole life i had never never truly been offended to the point where i needed to act like christ and extend grace the way that Christ did so when we say we are Christians to be like Christ means that we do like Christ it means that we literally will lay our lives for someone whether literally or figuratively and I realized that I'd never really been offended so I didn't really have the know-how I didn't have the muscles I didn't know where to start from different things had happened I had a member of my family I didn't speak to from March to December, so how do I explain that I'm supposed to be a Christian, I'm supposed to be a pastor? How can I hold this level of anger and pain from March to December? Do you understand where I'm coming from? It made no sense. So I told Pastor Moses to take me off the duty roster. I said, take me off because I cannot be teaching what I do not believe. So it was almost like a crisis of faith. One thing I knew was I was never going to leave the presence of God. If anything, that I knew that the devil's plan is to separate me from the love, of, from the presence of God. Because I threw a big tantrum at God, I threw a big tantrum, and then He said to me, "Keep that energy. Keep that energy for what I'm about to teach you." He says, "No problem. You're angry. Just keep that energy for what I'm about to teach you, because through it you will come into liberation and many other people." come into liberation in the mighty name of jesus and so just going through this journey with god trying to understand reading up everything that i could about grace love forgiveness and i found that in scripture do you know there's actually nowhere in the bible that tells you how to forgive does anyone know anywhere that gives you the step-by-step guide on how to forgive the framework of forgiveness the procedure and the methodology of forgiveness so you know i'm a teacher so i always have to arrange things in a way that people can understand i couldn't find it i searched high and low in desperation i was running searches everywhere running everywhere including GPT. because <laughs> i wanted to understand it ted talks about forgiveness I couldn't understand it all I was seeing was stories of people just saying that someone killed my mom and I just decided after years that I had locked them into the cycle of you know I had locked because of my own forgiveness I locked myself into the cycle of pain and bitterness and hatred and I couldn't come to the place of forgiveness and I I got to the place where I realized that forgiveness is an act of faith So when Christ went to the cross and died, he had no. She wasn't sure whether he knew, right? But he was taking a risk and a chance on us because ultimately he gives us free will. So he hopes that Uwa will come to God. But guess what? If Uwa says, "I ain't about that life," he's not going to drag her. He's not going to drag her. He will just always be there, hoping and waiting and sending her messages through friends, through the word, through life experiences, through all kinds, to stir her heart into the place of love for him that she would respond and say, here I am. But he won't force her. So he took a risk. And I came to the understanding that forgiveness is just a risk that you take. If someone offends you, I promise you there is nothing they can do to undo what they did to you or how it made you feel. If they knew any better, except they are just evil people, because a few people in the world that are kind of like that, except they are just evil people. If they knew any better, if they knew the level of pain that what they did will cause you, they will not do it. I personally believe that. But because they don't know, you must then learn to extend love and grace and understanding to them. I worked in a place where Safety was a big and critical element of the work that we did. We will compromise revenue on the altar of safety. If something was unsafe, we won't do it. So we had something called the just culture. It was helicopter operations. So the just culture was that you did something wrong, right? Broke one of the company rules and policies or whatever. There was a decision tree. The tree will start with what you did. Was she trained? Yes or no? Does she have any prior experience? Yes or no? Had she been told the procedure, yes or no? A series of questions with each yes or no answer takes you to yet another, yeah, another question. And what was interesting is that this decision tree was not trying to catch you out. It was done in such a way that it was trying to establish the root cause of why you did what you did. Because the organization believed that you carried and embodied the values of that organization. So surely you were not trying to destroy something. We're going to give you the benefit of doubt and keep walking this journey until we get to the point where we will say no fault. And the interventions will be training or exposure to a project or whatever. So there was barely anyone who got into trouble in a company like that. So because of that, every time that we did something, you could step out boldly and say I made a mistake see what happened you couldn't cover up because the last thing they wanted was in cover-ups you make a mistake a pilot gets on a helicopter and there's a crash because there's been a series of cover-ups what the devil teaches us is how to cover up it's not of God every time that there's sin the light of God must flood that place and bring it to revelation don't worry about the disgrace you think you will feel it's only temporary. I promise you by the next day, you're forgotten because somebody else will do something worse than you. Abby? Yes. Somebody will do your yesterday's news. Somebody has forgotten. You will have to take something for somebody. We we actually think people have time to think thinking about us. If you know the problems that they are dealing with, you are just a five-minute gossip. They move on. I promise you, the problems they are dealing with is bigger than you. And so because I was raised in this, same thing at home. I remember one time I, I don't tell you what I did, <laughs> and my dad caught me and he said just tell me the truth and I won't tell your mom and I told him the truth and till today you never told my mom. So of course I was raised in that environment of transparency, nobody's going to die, you didn't kill somebody do you understand and even if you did my mom would go to war for you. I was raised in that culture, confessing is easy for me right? Repentance is easy for me. Saying I'm sorry is easy for me. I'm keeping my eye on the big picture, which is that I don't want the enemy to have something to use as judgment over me. Many of us, our prayers are not they're not getting the results because the enemy is intercepting it with he did this, she did this. Today that the Lord would bring liberation, and that anything that the enemy has tried to use to stand against you any false accusation even if it's a real accusation Lord I just ask oh God that there's liberation today oh God you went to the cross and you died upon the cross to wash us clean that we will have right standing with the father and so we come repentant oh God we stand before you repentant oh God and said wash us clean wash us clean oh God and though our sins be as red as scarlet you will make them as white as snow for Jesus the blood of the covenant was the ultimate ultimate sacrifice. And so, then people would say, are you therefore saying that there are no consequences? Someone would be saying right now, you don't know what she did to me. She slandered me. She said that I was sleeping with my MD. And that's a lie. She has no evidence. Somebody would say, he cheated on me multiple times. And you're telling me to forgive. Somebody would say they stole my money. Somebody would say I was supposed to be promoted. They cheated me at work. Somebody would say I was abused as a child repeatedly by family members. Somebody would say everything that I've tried to do, nothing has worked. There's been condemnation over me. People have spoken negative words over my life that has been held as the that have basically placed the mantle over me. You don't know what you're speaking about. Somebody would say, I was sold to a sex camp. Believe it, these are real things that people are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Are you therefore saying that there, there's no consequence for the sins and the transgression of somebody else? There's no consequence for the sins of my, for my sins and transgression? Have you ever spoken to people and you're trying to sell salvation to them? And they'll tell you, you don't know what I've done. They say, you're just talking, you don't know what I've done. I'm like, how bad can he be? They say, don't worry, you don't know what I've done. How bad can he be? I'm a worst case scenario person. When I'm dealing with a situation, I take my mind to the worst case of that scenario. Okay, so what, you were in Confra in university and they made you do blood, you killed somebody. Uh-huh. Is that now going to, s- to stand over you forever? Do you know that a simple prayer of forgiveness, white clean, is you that is still remembering? Oh, do you know that my wife does not know i have a child outside i remember a friend of mine found out when she was 15 that she had a 25 year old brother and that thing destroyed their family destroyed their family 25 year old brother that they had not heard one word about for 24 for i don't know that that her parents had been married for 16 years at the time so automatically she was displaced from firstborn laughing do you know those kind of things can mess with people's mind identity issues you know and this is a father that this girl revered her father was this tall good-looking gentleman he was you know clean all of a sudden he fell like a pack of cards before their eyes their home was full of strife the house we all like to go and hang out in we hated to go there one time there was they had a fight. And she used um, mortar and peso. Abi? Peso, Abby. Thank you. She used it to smash every glass in his car. Every single glass. That amount of hatred and anger and bitterness had such residence in her heart. And can you blame her? So if I'm telling her this sermon on forgiveness and grace, she'll be like, "Mm." Is it for you to say? How long have you been married? Don't worry. You know, people always do stuff like that. They tell you, don't worry, I've not seen something yet. You're still in honeymoon phase. <laughs> You're still in honeymoon phase. But Christ said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. In Matthew 5, 17 and 19, he said, For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one title will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled and wh- whoever therefore breaks one of the lists of these commandments and teaches men so because now we live into a generation where it is bad enough that you've done something wrong but you will justify it against your friend who has done worse than you you say my own is only one it should be my friend did five or you will come up with a new theology to justify what you've done you wear weigh, you weigh like a cloak of honor i've had people tell me i did this and i have no regret and i will never apologize for it and i'm like what manner of hardness of heart and when i would say to them you cannot take this position this is what the enemy will have you do they will say you are judging me the last person that said that to me i said to her do you know what yes i am judging you because i love you If I leave you to go away with this thinking, you will never come into a place of repentance. So I said to her, tonight, when you go to bed, I pray that, Lord, you have an encounter with God and He will tell you how bad what you did is. And in that place, make your repentance with Him. I said, don't worry. You don't need to do much. You don't need to sacrifice lambs and and goats. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. And you'll be okay. This argument went on for like an hour. That's, That's the hardness of hearts that we have in our generation because we have seen multiple people multiple people do the same thing. but guess what A foolish thing is a foolish thing is a foolish thing even if 100 million people do it We are of this world we are in this world we are not of this world. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience therefore we cannot conform to the standards of this world because you know what? if we conform to the standards of this world they will beat us we are not equipped with the weapons that they use in the canal world are you okay if you hear what people do to attain power you will not do it you don't have deliver for it you don't so why do you want to waste your time for something that will give you no results why so christ is saying that regardless of his grace and mercy He did that because he's showing us a better way and he's calling us to a higher standard. And there are still consequences if we choose that we're going to stay. So even though there is his love and his grace, there are consequences should we choose to remain in the life of sin. You know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They had gone and sold and they asked them and they brought an offering. And they said how much and they made it look like what they brought was everything. And this was in the new testament too. for those that will soon tell me that all of this is just happened in the old testament this story was in the new testament that tells you what that the law will still be established but his grace makes it easy to stay away from sin it does not mean that we will not come into seasons of temptations but in that moment of temptation the lord will tell us what to do how to navigate what how we need to position what we need to stay away from who we need to run to who we need to speak to That it will help us to overcome sin. So the Lord says, or is it David and Bathsheba? He saw a woman that belonged to somebody else. Could have turned his eye away. Perhaps maybe her husband would have still died in the war. And he could have legitimately, legitimately married her. But his impatience and his love for flesh, he went ahead of himself. Sent her husband into the battlefield. He gets killed then takes her, marries her, and has a child. And what happened? The child died. Because that, was, that could not be the child through which God was going to. He said to the Israelites, Repent now everyone of his evil ways and his evil doings, so you can dwell in the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers forever and ever. It says repent now everyone of your evil ways and your evil doings and dwell in the land that the lord has given to you and your fathers forever and ever and so the lord is calling us to repentance first of all each and every one of us we know the things that we have done that are hidden embedded deep in our forgotten we've pushed it somewhere deep down in our memory and pretended it happened we just without coming into repentance maybe because we don't genuinely believe that we we did anything wrong we don't know any better or we'll rather just pretend it didn't happen but those things have a way of tripping us up when we least expect it so today i'm asking that the lord will bring those things to your memory that once and for all you can lay it on his altar and ask for cleansing and forgiveness he wipes it clean no more again let's move on you don't necessarily need to confess to anyone you don't necessarily need to come and do a public show about what you've done but for some he might tell you you need to pick up your phone and call someone and tell them what you did hold yourself accountable because he knows that you are not equipped yet to be able to overcome that temptation should it come again so it's not because he's trying to disgrace you it's because he wants to keep you accountable sin will lose his hold on you there are certain things that if i tell someone because i know somebody else knows they'll be giving me side eye should i want to do that thing again so even if it's because there's someone who's holding me accountable and someone can argue oh are you more afraid of the person than god it's not about being afraid of person by god i'm seeing the god in the person god has given me that person to keep me accountable Priest unto one another. Confess your sins so that your sins do not hold you bondage. So, regardless of what you did, you come into that place. Because the Mosaic law is very legalistic and we can't attain it. It's very condemnatory. It's very based on tit for tat. The world teaches, programmed all of us that the measure of what you do is a measure that you receive. If I'm nice to you, be nice to me. If I do this, I'll get that. So we are not really trained on forgiveness and grace. The concept of grace defies all of those laws and all of of that logic. It's not to the measure that the person has done for you. It's not to the measure that the person has given you. It's not. It's to the measure of the love of God that dwells inside of you that you extend. So you get to the point where even when someone has not said sorry... For what they did to you you resolve in your heart that you will forgive them because just as you forgive them so will your father forgive you and so grace is not an excuse for sin but is a power that enables us to live victoriously above any temptation that we might ever have the grace of God that he's teaching or he's speaking about is an enabler. It creates an enabling environment for us to walk victoriously. It is. It meets us in a place of our brokenness. Grace is that thing that picks us up when we've looked at ourselves and said, I don't deserve this thing. Grace is undeserving. There is nothing that any of us can do to attain it. There are people that do things like, they have a lot of money they'll go to big churches and they'll sign up for things like washing toilets like the the list of the list of the duties right because they believe that they are buying God's mercy but that's not what God is looking for God is just looking for a broken and contrite spirit ends off because he went and became the perfect sacrifice better than the blood of bulls and rams or the blood of Abel we cannot walk in grace without the life of christ inside of us and so when we're struggling with unforgiveness we need to be asking ourselves is christ really in me i got to the point where different multiple things and i just became easily offendable it made no sense and then god said because you always used to do avoidance tactics so if i know that you have the propensity to offend me I genuinely thought that I was protecting you by making sure I never put you in a situation or circumstance where you would offend me. That was my MO. So everything was always kumbaya because I will make sure if it's something I know you will say no to me, I will never ask you because I don't want you to say no and I'm offended. It, I had I will have very little expectations of people because I don't want to set them up for failure. I did that all the time and then again, because of my training, I'll be doing root cause analysis. You will do something to me, and I'll be saying, Hmm, why did this person do this? Perhaps they were having a bad day. Perhaps they didn't know that this will hurt me. Perhaps they came from a broken childhood or um, they're dealing with post-traumatic stress or they're dealing with trauma from child. I will give a thousand reasons as to why this person did that to me. And I'll arrive at a place of they don't know any better, I just leave them. But it wasn't true forgiveness. Do you understand? It was avoidance. And so God said to me, I will allow you feel every offense that will come to you in this season because I will tear you apart. And when I'm done, I will build you back up and you will learn how to truly forgive and how to extend grace that you might teach another. He said, because I gave you a word, but you knew it from a head place. You did not know it experientially so I said so are you going to then allow all the bad things happen to me just to teach me something like quite frankly is that necessary why why do you need to do it that way he said because that is how transformation will come we are all the product of our experiences good or bad the reason why we can say something to someone and it will shift them from one place to the other is because we are not saying it from I heard somebody said you are saying it from a place of, I know, I have walked this journey. And I'm telling you that there's light on the other side of this pain that you're feeling. And so I became easily offended. But when I want to react in the strength that I carried, I will hear silence. Ha! I would I have people say things to me. I would be shaking. I would not be able to utter a word. I would have people disrespect me totally, and I will be silent. Okay, silent. Learn, learn that you will. You are. You are nothing. Do you understand? Not in the. You are nothing. your death of the. You are nothing outside of me. You are nothing outside of me. So learn it. Learn it. So these different things will happen, and I was so frustrated because I knew what I could do in my human strength but I had to bring it under submission I had to bring it under submission for the love of God that I start to view everything through the prism of love not through the prism of excuse like I'd always done not avoiding it but viewing everything through the prism of love so I'm looking at the person and saying if God loves this person and I say that I'm Christ-like be each other's keeper i must look at the person through the eyes of god and so literally i would imagine a prison and i would imagine god's love i had to make a mental image in my head and the, the love of god would, would pass like light so instead of seeing death and fields right of what the person may have done or said i would see someone that is weak and vulnerable somebody who God loves incredibly and so if God loves that person incredibly who am I to stand in judgment against that person who am I in the scale of things and that's how God started to teach me because there was no way in scripture that showed me what this step-by-step guide to forgiveness really looked like I started to learn under submission to him I started to learn how to forgive myself for how I felt because I'm like you ought to do better you ought to know better I learned to forgive myself and I started to learn how to forgive other people every day building this muscle and you know the funny part it didn't get easier because that's how the things of God are as a matter of fact the more I battled to come into this place of forgiveness for all these different things that had happened the more offense was coming the more offense was coming it wasn't a four weeks course I wish that life can be a six-week program. Endure for these six weeks, and at the end of the six weeks, you are okay. You have overcome. You get stand here. You get a certificate of completion. Everybody is happy for you. You move on. I wish that life was like that, but unfortunately, life is not like that. It's not about time. It's about how long God is going to need to get you to the place where you are completely dead to yourself. It's when you die to yourself that you can rise and live in Christ. So I'll be like, Lord, you need to hurry up. Hurry, 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 hurry. I don't have time for this. That's how me and God do. <laughs> we understand. We are very, we teach other like, oh yeah, I guess I'm from there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh you that's how we are. We don't have that. You know, Dr. Sherry, she's like baby girl. <laughs> I do I'll like last year, I my like God. I kind of need that baby girl vibe with you. (laughs) I don't want this your hard teaching. Do you understand? And so, if we're not able to understand the depths of the love of Christ, how do we extend this love to somebody else? God started to teach me about the forgiveness equation. 77 times 7. Peter came to him. I imagine that maybe someone had done multiple things to Peter and he was tired. And Peter came to him and said, how many times must I forgive this person? Because this person are always doing, they're always doing this thing. Like I think I've tried. And Jesus said to him, 77 times 7. And I believe that that 77 times 7 was not for a lifetime. I actually believe it was 365 days, 24-7 for the rest of your life to infinity. Countless times. Isn't that how he is with us? We will sin he says, we say we are sorry, he forgives us the next day, repeat, rinse, repeat and that's what God calls us to that no matter how many times a person offends us in the same area or in a new area, we must learn to forgive. So now it started to make sense why you will see a repeated pattern and you're saying what's wrong with you this person is taking you for granted this person is maltreating you this person is not doing right by you why are you still here are you stupid are you are you, are, you, are you are you did they jazz you all of those things that we say in our flesh but perhaps that person has an understanding of 77 times 7 perhaps we are the ones that need to go back to the place of repentance and ask God to teach us So that means that we must learn to expect that offense will come on a daily basis but no matter how many times it comes we must be prepared to keep extending and what God said is that when you remember the offense that someone has committed against you it's an opportunity for you to forgive them again and to the person who has offended another when you remember the offense you caused someone instead of beating yourself up it's an opportunity for you to repent again so both of you are working out something you are learning to forgive again and the person is asking for forgiveness again for where sin abounds grace must abound even more that's romans 5 that where sin abounds grace must abound even more and so there's a woman called um last year i started reading a book called switch on your brain and that book it's a book on by a woman called dr caroline leaf switch on your brain very very good book it's a book that is an intersection between neuroscience and spirituality so basically god took her and showed her the linkage between our mind and our brain and all the things that happen to us all the feelings and emotions that we have how they are actually you know gave us scriptures for each and every one of them and how because we are spirit beings the things the physical manifestations of what is happening to us is a consequence of how we feel inside of us and she one of the key things she talks about in the book is how forgiveness is key and central to emotional well-being our health our fitness our relationships our self-compassion everything people that live in constant unforgiveness It leaves a toxin in you. Who has ever been angry about something or someone did to them and you feel bile? Who has ever experienced that? You literally feel bile. That has happened to me. I was wailing. I felt bile like the level of toxicity at the pain of the offense had me, had bile. Meanwhile, the person might not be aware of the depth of what they've done to you. So who's losing at the end of the day? So even if from a selfish point of view, you cannot allow offense to hold you bondage. That's the plan of the enemy to keep reminding you of what the person has done. We forget scripture that says that, forgive us our trespasses, the same way we have forgiven others. So that means to the measure that we forgive, is to the measure that we are forgiven scripture says that if you're going to give your offering and you remember that there's offense in your heart he's not interested in it drop it and go and make that peace with someone so i'm going to charge you there's someone today that you've been holding offense against might be a brother a sister an uncle your dad your mom husband wife regardless that today send them a message and say i forgive you don't go into trying to say see how you made me feel just leave that today today is not the day just say to them i forgive you guess what even if you don't believe it today humor me just do it even if you don't believe it yet because forgiveness is an act of faith an act of faith means you don't see it it says faith is believing without doubt whatever god has revealed we have not seen god face to face yet we believe that there is god So I don't feel that forgiveness today. You don't feel that forgiveness today. But as an act of faith, you say to the person, I extend you the grace of God. I forgive you for what you did to me, even though you are not sorry. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to wait for you to be sorry. Because if I have to lock my forgiveness into your repentance, then I will be on this journey forever. There are different kinds of people. There are people that will do something and know they've offended you and will say they are sorry. There are those that do something but they are too proud to tell you that they are sorry then there are those that don't even know they did anything how are you going to be able to differentiate all of that so you just extend it stupidly as the world will call it that you might free them and in doing so you also free yourself because christ already paid the price the blood of his covenant marriage is one of the places is there is a platform for the biggest offenses that can happen in anybody's life Marriage is a temptation of your of your spirituality. Marriage. Many people will miss heaven because of marriage. That's why Paul said that some, it is better to be single. <laughs> That's why God said that. And, and Paul said that marriage, every conceivable thing in the world can happen there like sometimes you'll, you'll be asking yourself twilight zone twilight zone like is this happening you <laughs> you'll hear things that you'll be like a human being is a human being that did this except I, I see this person now this person looks like a normal somebody they are not normal <laughs> <God>. <laughs> they are not normal i've had to learn how to keep a poker face when people tell me some things because i'm saying i shall what where are they? <laughs> How? I've learned to keep a poker face because no, what you will do is that you will make the other person feel justified in their offense. Do you understand? You make them feel justified. That's no empathy. That's no empathy. That's no empathy because there's another side of that qu- equation that you don't have yet. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't justify it. But sometimes you don't have the full story. You don't have the full picture. And even if you do, that's not what you're called to do you're called to show them the love and the grace of God and so people will say I don't want a Christian counselor somebody did something to me my husband hurt me my wife did that and people will tell me consistently I don't want a Christian camp- I don't want ai I don't want a Christian coach I don't want a Christian counselor because I don't want you to be preaching the gospel of grace so what are they going to tell you tell me the step-by-step guide they're going to tell you you will do that step by step guide, and the pattern will repeat in itself over and over and over again. There are people that will tell you, We're dealing with adultery. In the middle of the counseling, there's a new person in the mix. Do you understand? So they'll tell you, I don't want a Christian counselor because they don't want to hear the word of the Lord and what he would say concerning that. And so when the pastors or the Christian counselors would say, Just forgive it's not because they don't know a framework to teach you but they know that ultimately if it's not submitted at the altar of mercy and grace you're wasting your time that's why it's not because they don't have the words to say to you they will say just forgive see what he did just forgive just forgive so i'm like please this person is not handling this my matter well what else are they going to tell you what else it starts and ends with christ he already paid the the, the price he paid the price ephesians 4 32 says be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in christ god forgave you see this scripture is one of the bedrocks of our marriage it's one of the things that we we don't use the scripture particularly as written but In the context of marriage I was talking about, no matter how bad the situation and circumstance is, we have a standard in our home that we treat each other with kindness and compassion. And so when we have a situation that we're dealing with, we are able to separate the thing that happened from how we treat each other. Because the Lord said, be kind and compassionate to one another. If you're not kind and compassionate to one another, it will be difficult for you to have tenderness of heart towards the person to forgive them. I once stayed in the house of someone where this woman is one of the best people that I know. Very kind, very nice woman. But she had gotten to this place of brokenness in her marriage where she hated her spouse with everything inside of her. She would use his sponge to wash the toilet. You're saying, ah... That's what bitterness does. This woman was a good woman. She's a good, I promise you. she's. A, she will give you the shirt on her back. She will rub it out to paper. She'll come and tell you, I'm broke. I don't have any money. Things are bad. You give her the money in front of you. She has given it to somebody else. She was ragging you not for herself. She had just heard of someone. She would take in stray cats from everywhere. People that had problems, they're telling the truth you're stranded you call her come 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 it's okay she was a kind woman but she couldn't extend that kindness to her spouse because she was so broken by all the things he had done to her and i'll say to her how can you she would cook pack up the food and hide it in the freezer so when he comes on he won't find food to eat but laughing that her own is in food and toilet what have some of us done Because we have been pained. What have we done? What thoughts have we had in our dark thoughts in our hearts that maybe did not manifest into physical action? But remember Christ says even the thought is sin. It's sin. It says if you forgive one another your sins, your heavenly father will forgive you. And so this morning I ask you that you release it to God. Vengeance is not yours. You can't revenge enough for what they did any revenge you want to do in the flesh will be counterproductive and will hurt you and bring disgrace and disrepute to you instead of the person that you're trying to hurt have you seen marriages where the man has been cheating for years their entire marriage one day she got tired and she cheated they call family meeting they disgraced her everywhere and they sent her packing i know many such cases and she'll be saying but what about him all these years he's been cheating none of you said anything She's the one that is now sent away and judged and said she couldn't keep her home. But if she had submitted it to God, what would have happened there? You think that God in his mercy will not have arisen one day and remove the cloak from his eyes perhaps? And maybe not. I may have given her release to leave. And guess what? And also maybe not. He would have said to her, you're married to me. Don't worry about him. Just live your life. Live your life for me. After all, in heaven, there's no Mr. and Mrs now I don't like you when I say that (laughs) but it's the truth each of us working out our salvation with fear and trembling and so Peter there are three things about Peter three parts of Peter that I find very interesting in Matthew 16, 13 and 19 he said who do they say I am Peter said ah no, it's not you you are Christ the son of the living God said "Ah, peter my guy flesh and blood did not reveal that to you he said he didn't he said because of that blessed are you simon peter For blood has not revealed that to you and i say to you peter that on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hades will not prevail i will give you the kingdoms of heaven and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth would be lost in heaven so that's where that thing came from because peter had his understanding of revelation about who god was and was able to say to god so peter was immediately god separated him unto himself and said this one is my g this is the guy that's going to run things when i go so that already happened then after the baptism remember they now started the plot to kill jesus jesus said to the, said to them in matthew 26 he said all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said, ah, lying on me. Ah, ah. Me that knew that you were the son of the living God. But I don't understand. Me that you already said that upon this church, the gates of hell. I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Me that you gave prophetic word. Ha, ah, how? He said jesus said to him be coming down he said i say to you <laughs> that this night before the roster crows you will deny me three times like never that can never happen he said even if i have to die with you i will not deny you i will die with you <laughs> jesus probably just looking at you and say look at this one <laughs> then the next day or thereabouts they came three times peter denied him three times before he now came into oh my god but let me tell you what's interesting god already conferred this honor on him before he denied him so you know what that means he knew now he knew that peter was going to fail him but he did not change the script that god had written for peter's life at that point there's nothing peter could have done to change it because it had already been said upon my church upon this this rock i'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail whatever you bind we bind whatever you lose will be loose and we saw the great works of peter we saw how after christ died he arose and saw how he brought people to the knowledge of god god was not about to undo it because of a moment of foolishness which is really what sin is in itself sin is never really that great many times we do things that we look back and say this was nonsense this didn't make any sense in the moment it felt right It felt good But the long-term effects and the consequences and the pain that it has brought, it wasn't worth it. So God was not about to undo this thing because of Peter's foolishness. And that's how God is with many of us. Today, that thing that we are committing, that sin that we are committing, even as we're sitting here, he knew before he made you that you would do it. So if you can understand that, be done with self damnation and self-righteousness and come into a place of repentance. Because what if Peter had then said, i deny christ i don't deserve it i don't deserve to lead i don't deserve to speak about him i don't deserve to um, talk about his mercies and his love and about the great move and about power and i I don't deserve it i am not worthy many of us come into this false self-righteousness because we think that that is the right posture or position to take that that's what shows contriteness no repent get up and do the work that the lord has called you to do peter could have said i can't me i deny jesus publicly three times there is evidence of my denial if i'm speaking people will be like keep quiet there joe isn't all you that deny jesus but he wasn't gonna let that stop him because he remembered that christ already gave him the authority ahead of time ahead of his sins ahead of any mistakes that he had made that's the same with many of us here we are waiting for the day of perfection for us to arise in our calling but that day of perfection may never come because repentance is a continuum it is not something that has a start point and an end point every single day every single moment we are coming into a place of repentance with Christ there is nothing like big sin and small sin every one of them can take us to hell if we don't come into a place of repentance we will never arrive at that perfect place to get up and do the assignment that God has called us to do we will never arrive at it we will never have the right words we will not have the right scriptures we will not know we will never arrive there do what you need to do if you need to have 10 notes it doesn't matter if you need to read the notes, read it if you need to gather people to help you do your assignment whatever it is if you're waiting for the perfect day it will never come Christ knew that we will fall into sin and temptation but he's always waiting in the wings every single time all he needs is the true repentance true repentance and his grace is made available for you to navigate so if we're judged by the world's standards you'll only get what you deserve what you sow is what you reap but grace defies all of that Grace can take an unknown and catapult you to a national stage. And people will be like, ah, how? Grace of God. It's a real case of Nagodo. Because God knows that he needs you or your type or your kind in that place at a particular time when a decree will be made. You might be done with that assignment and that's it. You come back to your, quote unquote, lowly places grace bypasses every protocol of the world every system of the world it elevates people without apologies grace just makes people respond to you they love you they like you what have you done nothing have you seen lazy people that everybody likes Ha! i had this colleague the girl anything give at, just consider it undone can never be done to the point where if there was something we wanted to kill we'll give it to her because we know it's not going to get done she'll just take it but shove it under somewhere and just below. But guess what? Everybody liked her. Everybody liked her. There was something light and airy about her. You understand? Hey, she just come Hey. She had biscuits, she had chewing gum, she had granite. And he's not knowing me. i not. Annoying not her good nature just the fact that let this thing translate to walkings now like do you understand i me i say i like that, all. ah should i just part now i like that <laughs> the thing became a problem i had to take it to god in prayer And like this i'm getting quite irritated and and he said to me she's just my daughter i just like her like that <laughs> make your peace with it so I did though I mean, I had I just stopped having any expectation not see. I'll just take it in and do it <laughs> oh <God. laughs> that's what grace does but if you're watching from the outside you won't like it you should feel like nobody should like her she should be punished she should not be promoted good things should not happen for her thank God though that we are not God thank God we are not God thank God many of us will not be where we are many of us we would judge by the standards and the matrices of the world oh yeah bring you how many have you done god was the father who the workers came to the vineyard some came in the morning had toiled under the sun worked under the sun some came at the 11th hour and at the end of the day he gave them the exact same thing and those other ones were angry i mean yes this morning i've been toiling since morning and he said "Eh did they cheat you for what you were supposed to get no which one is your business that's me that's grace you can see someone just come from nowhere and pass you it's not god that is unfair there's a plan and a reason why god has done that perhaps they were made for such a time as this you don't know the prayers that they prayed in their rooms you don't know the times they cried out to god and said lord have mercy on me You don't know you're judging them through the part of their life that they've let you in on. You don't know their consecrated places. You don't know whether they stay awake through the night crying and groaning and asking God for his mercy. And God in his mercy shows them mercy. We are then judging with the eyes of the world. But the liberty of God is not licentiousness like my mentor would say the liberty of God calls us to a higher standard because God has done so much for us therefore we can you get to the place in your Christian work where all things are lawful but not all things are expedient there are a lot of things that I want to do and I know that it doesn't tamper with my consecration at all but if it's going to cost one person to say ah we saw Uche doing this you won't find me there you won't find me there a friend of mine said, Oh, but is that not hypocrisy? I said, How is it hypocrisy? Because of me, somebody that does not have understanding will now go and do this thing and say it's okay. I said, No, 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 it's okay, it's not that important. You get to that place where you desire something, but you look at the bigger picture, you're going to grieve the heart of the father. There are so many people whose lives are tied to yours. There are people who are looking at you and watching you as a standard. You're going to bring dispute to the kingdom of God. You'll be like, Ka, 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 ka. It's not worth it. It's not what it. is. I'm not going to do it. Ah, I feel like doing this thing. Ah, I feel like doing this thing. But I will not do it. I will not do it. I won't do it. That's, that's what grace does for you. It brings you to a level of liberty where you are truly free in every sense of the word. And so the word of the Lord says that by grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and so the prodigal son who after he had philandered wasted all his father's wishes, him, first of all the audacity your father is alive you're asking him give me my share so you want the man to die before his time your father in his mercy gave you your share you didn't even have the sense to go and multiply it You you were partying doing foolish things money squandered you now said ah, even the servants in my father's house they're living better than this I'm going to go back and go and say I'm sorry. And go back and start at the bottom. And the man comes. And the man sees his son coming. And he's killed the cows, killed the goats, killed everything. My lost son is back. If that's not a picture of grace, what is? And his brother is saying, me that I've been here since. Picking up in the morning with you. eh? What about me? (laughs) This vagabond. (laughs) That we don't even know where he's coming from. We don't know whether it's even bringing our robbers to come and see the amenities that we have. Because it's only an inside that I can hurt you. Should we know? That way, could have brought his gang members. Say, so my father sees more. Let's take it, man. <laughs> and if I that, uh uh-uh, everything I have belongs to you. They may allow me to extend grace. That's how God is with us. Some of us will be saying, I've been a Christian for 20 years. In my church, they've never given me mic. This one just came six months ago. I'm seeing hands hand on the stage. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't lie. The attack is <laughs> Don't lie. TD Jakes said that for I can't remember how many years, but many years. He was uh what's it called? Valet at the car park of his church. Hey, old T. D. Jakes. So who are you? <laughs> Do you understand we judge based on the measure of the world and the lord is having us take away our eyes grace is not merited it's undeserved as is given unto us so we give unto another for he says that blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven whose sin is covered and blessed is the man to who the lord does not impute in- iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit and so today the Lord will ask us have us replace anger with understanding the Lord will have us replace pain with joy the Lord will have us replace resent- resentment with love the Lord will have us replace skepticism with benefit of doubt let's start there because you might not fully trust the Lord will have us replace paranoia with a different picture what about you paint a different picture of that scenario and circumstance? The Lord will have us replace hatred with love. For what we inhabit is who we are. As a man thinks, so is he. And one thing he said was that you have to understand that regardless of what a person has done, right? Right? You, your anger cannot separate them from my love. He said, no matter what anybody does to you, you know that thing where we think that my God will punish you. My God will judge you. Yeah? But you did something to me, my God will judge you. You will now expect this story where someone did something, then in the end you will hear the person had leprosy and the person died. No! Be done with that thinking god does not pray like that though. you can see your enemy be thriving what if god decides to make your enemy thrive the same way that you are the enemy of somebody and he decided to make you thrive i mean, you think that the grace and mercy is for only you do you understand what if because he's working out a plan with the for the person he's working out he's dealing with the person getting the person to a new place day by day maybe wants to show them so much love that they will come to the place where they come to their knees and say do you know what there has to be a greater power because if it's only me i don't deserve the things happening to me there are certain things that will happen in your life and you know that it's not a function of anything that you did there are things that have happened the biggest things in my life i know it's not a function of anything that i did and it's so it's such a humbling thing to know that it was just the love and the mercy and grace of God and so my daily desire is that Lord that I will be like you to the same grace that you've given unto me that I can extend to my brother and my sister the day that they hurt me regardless of whether or not they did it deliberately or they did it to hurt me I will not wait for their repentance i will not wait for them to say sorry i will forgive them in advance for the things that they don't even know that they will do on the cross god showed the ultimate example of grace the two thieves stood at the side of jesus and the other one said look at you look at you save yourself i want king can't save yourself And the other one said, Keep quiet. Keep quiet. At least we will know what we did. We stole. He, what did he do? And he turned to Jesus and said, Remember me in paradise. And Christ said to him, Truly, you'll be with me in paradise today. Imagine the people that were watching on the side who say, Eh, we have been here since doing acts of faith, giving, tithe, serving in church, being kind, all the commandments. This one, One second, that's God, that's grace, that's his love, that's his mercy, that's how he is. He does not measure by the length, he measures by the genuineness of our repentance. By the genuineness of our repentance, that's God, that's a perfect picture of grace. That on that cross, one said, who are you? And the other said, Lord, remember me. And he said, today, you will be with me in paradise. And so spirit of the living God, I just ask God that each and every one of us here today, that we'll learn to be like that thief on the cross who understood and recognized the power of Christ, who understood that God is love and that his grace is sufficient unto us. Lord, we come back today as prodigals who may have gone away, sinned, brought disrepute to the name of God squander done all kinds of foolish imaginable things even things that people will never know or never hear about but in your love and in your mercy you draw us back to your warm embrace you're still doing for us you're teaching us you are equipping us Lord I just ask oh God that anyone that is here who's dealing with offense that has been committed against them rightfully so childhood traumas that have been locked away in their hearts and because of it they are not able to advance in their lives because every time they want to move forward it draws them back things will trigger them because they'll have memories around the things that have happened i just ask that lord tonight you're bringing release oh god i ask that your spirit will be upon them oh god and you disseminate every pain everything that has kept them in that place oh god i ask for those who are unable to forgive themselves because of the things that they have done I ask that you remind us that though our sins be as red as scarlet, you will make it as white as snow for you went to the cross and died as the ultimate sacrifice to replace the sacrifice of rams and bulls and sheep and Abel oh God I ask that your mercy oh God is renewed every day O oh God that is a covering over us that the enemy will have nothing to hold against us Lord I ask that to the hardest of hearts who are saying I don't understand what she's saying I don't believe what the Lord is saying that you will show them that in the eyes of God it means nothing oh God Lord teach us to see others through the prism of love teach us to make Christ a life in you in us that we will see the person as God sees them we will see ourselves as God sees us I ask that all the, the chains of unforgiveness and brokenness is released today, oh God. I ask that your spirit, oh God, dwells inside of us and brings a lightness that man cannot give, oh God. I ask that we do not have an expectation, expectation of of, of of the acts that will make us feel better. I ask that, Lord, you're working it out day by day, step by step, holding our, our hands onto the place, unto the time that we get to the place where we are truly healed of all that has broken us lord i ask that we will not make that our lingua we will not be broken people oh god and even where we have been broken that you'll pick us up and put us back together again lord pick us up and put us back together again i speak healing into the hearts of men this morning i ask that let your love and light flood the hearts of men this morning oh god <sighs> in our own strength we are unable to do this in our own strength we are unable to attain the standards that you've called us to but your grace is sufficient unto us your grace is sufficient unto us your love is a banner over us and under that banner we are able we are able we are able we are able oh god Please, if you're dealing with unforgiveness of any kind, Lord, just pray this morning, pray in the Spirit. Where you do not want to say the words, where you are constricted to say the words because of the pain that you feel, ask the Lord to help you. Let the Holy Spirit intercede on your behalf. Hey, heal, every heart, oh heal every broken heart, oh God. Heal every broken heart, oh God. Heal every broken heart, oh God. That you can use us to do the work that you've called us to do. That you can use us to do the work that you've called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus.